today on Never Was a Gamer. Riddle me this, riddle me that. No, I'm not playing any more of your stupid games. Welcome to Never Was a Gamer, the show where a late-blooming gamer makes up for lost time playing everyone else's formative games. I'm Michelle, and with me as always is the next mayor of Gotham City people, Dimitri. Joining a long lineage of very uncorrupt just mayors of Gotham City. I hope he doesn't turn out to be a criminally insane psychopath like all the others. Joke's on you. Yeah, Gotham does not have a good track record with mayors in yes. in like any timeline. So yeah, today we're talking about Batman Arkham Asylum by Rocksteady Games from 2009. It is the final game in our arc. Um, All right. Boo. About? Get off the stage. <laughs> looking at licensed games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was excited to dig into this one because I haven't played... I haven't really played any contemporary superhero games. Um, I haven't played the Spider-Mans. I haven't played any of these, obviously, like the Arkham series of Batmans. And, you know, like a lot of this is kind of in my wheelhouse. You have like a character-driven kind of action game. Like that's very much like my shit. I don't know um, if that's the case. I don't Well, so- I don't know if character-driven <laughs> action games are actually your wheelhouse. I think you like games that have a character and that have action elements. But, you know, you don't play Uncharted's. Um, you haven't played True. any of these games. You know, that kind of, um, you know, cinematic character action game is actually not something that you normally pick up. Sometimes you'll pick up action RPGs. But this is a, you know, this is a genre that you tend to kind of avoid. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess there's something about, um, I don't have like a really deep history with Batman, but I I like um a lot of the trappings of Batman. I like city stuff. I like the like gothic elements. So I don't know. I, I kind of like went into this um, ready to have a good time with it, I would say. That that sounds ominous. Uh, I, I got to say, I was kind of <laughs> shocked by how old this game is. You know, that it's already like 12 years old is makes me feel ancient because it parts of it still feels so contemporary to me mm-hmm. um, for better and worse. And And yeah, I still remember, you know, playing this game for the first time so fondly and it really did kind of blow my mind the first time I played it. It did feel like a transformative game. It, in the way that like a Bioshock might have, it, it really felt like the next step of that style of storytelling for me. And then the fact that it had Batman, who is my favorite superhero in it, um, and one that, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with Batman's games, mostly mm-hmm. hate, love from a certain period, and then many, many years of hate for there to actually be, you know, a Batman game that had you know, the writers and voice actors from a lot of the animated series back and that pulled it off so well was so special to me. Like, I'm pretty sure I played this game maybe in two sittings. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I think I might have forced myself to sleep for a bit and then just got up and played it. But it definitely would have been over the course of like an evening and the next day. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this is like I one of the things that I knew about this game going in is that this series kind of like my impression is that there hadn't really hadn't been a good 
Batman game in like a minute when this came out. And so people were kind of holy shit about it because it succeeded in a lot of these like kind of fundamental ways that like games with Batman hadn't for like quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some people who are like there were never there was never a good Batman game until Arkham, which I don't know if I, I definitely agree with. Um, even, you know, Batman on the NES based on the 1989, you know, Tim Burton movie was not bad. It was just it was an action platformer. But then on the Super Nintendo, I actually played uh, quite a lot of good Batman games. I thought I think the the Batman Returns game is really good. It's just a it's a beat em up, but I think really captures the aesthetic, the vibe of that movie. I think it's it's quite good. And I mean, Batman Returns is one of my favorite movies of all time. So that definitely helps. Um, right. But then I had this game also on Super Nintendo called The Adventures of Batman and Robin that was based on the animated series that was also primarily a beat-em-up but had some puzzle elements, had just, I don't know, it was a really kind of ambitious game where each level was completely different. And I still go back to that game from time to time and, and think it's pretty special. I mean, like, the first level is basically, um, you know, a side-scrolling beat-em-up, and at the end of every level you face one of uh, one of the major villains. And so, you know, there's some levels that are pretty conventional, but then there's a Catwoman level, for example, where um, you're actually just pursuing her through the city. So it's more of a platforming level and you're just running after her and you have some intermittent fights, but it's really, yeah, just chasing Catwoman through the city as a level. Or you have a Riddler level that is based on one of the episodes from the show. And in this case, you're trapped in a maze and you have to actually solve a bunch of riddles and uh, use a bunch of special Batman gadgets, including like X-ray vision to see through hidden walls. Uh, there's a driving level where you're chasing Two-Face. That's, I think, it's my least favorite level. But, you know, there's there's such a level variety in that game yeah. that, that I really, really enjoyed it. So, so yeah, I, I think that would be a great Batman game. But uh, that might have been, at least for me, the last one. As they entered the 3D era, I don't think, I don't even know if I touched a 3D Batman game before Arkham Asylum just out of the reputation that they had as being terrible. <laughs> You're like, why Why would I put myself through that? Yeah. Have you played any Batman games before this? I have. Yes, I've played one Batman game that I remember. Okay. Her name was Batman Forever for the Sega Genesis. And she was the hardest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> so I rented this on the Super Nintendo, which would have been the same game. Okay. And I can't even tell you if it's hard because I couldn't figure out how to get past like not the first level, but like the first segment of the first level. <laughs> I think you have to like use your you have to use like your um grappling hook to get up to another floor, but the controls are so it's like you have to hit up and another oh, button yeah. at the same time and you have to be positioned just perfectly and I didn't realize this and I just couldn't figure out where to go. I remember, you know, just going from left to right, clearing out the baddies and then being like, where where do I go? I can see a hole in the ceiling, and I know I have a grappling hook, but it's not shooting me up. It's just kind of swinging me across. And, <laughs> and I can't make it grapple. <laughs> and I never yeah. I never figured it out. So uh, never could save oh. Chase Meridian. Doctor, and what a fine pursuit you must be. Um, I remember that line somehow from my <laughs> childhood. Um, yeah, we uh, collectively, me and my brothers, uh, were able to make it to level two of that game and never once anywhere past level two that game is ridiculous well you did better than um, me uh, yeah i can't remember if we rented it or owned it but if we rented it we must have rented it a bunch of times um yeah that thing was 
wild. Um, so yeah. I don't know if that really counts as like. Yeah. And that <laughs> like, actually, you know, apart from the ones that I had owned, that might have been, you know, the last new Batman game I had played until Arkham Asylum, which, you know, the when that's the scar in that yeah. Batman Forever game is your scar, like <laughs> Arkham Asylum feels so fresh and, you know, just makes you happy to be alive to put that game in. Yeah. I also like, man, Arkham, Arkham Asylum is for the fans. Like one of, you know, I, I think it succeeds in a lot of ways at at bringing you sort of into the Batman world. But um, man, there's a lot of fan service in this thing. I don't even mean that pejoratively, but like it was interesting playing this game as someone who like, yeah, Batman's fine. But like I don't have any like super strong feelings about the character or the stories or the locations like the best rogues gallery in the biz <laughs> they do by have, far yeah some some eccentric rogues yeah yes. but overall like the you know the primary baddies are top notch like of course you have like those f tier like pd piranha equivalent baddies oh my who, god who will who will get into we'll get into one of them um later i just want to say i'm a pd piranha respecter okay. just so you know um but yeah we'll get into some of these because i was introduced to some new baddies through and some of them are some of them are bonkers but we'll get to that later um before we get any further do you want to just set up what this what this game is and then uh then we'll talk about a little bit why we why we chose it yeah so uh this is a character action game where you play as batman um the whole in in the opening um batman has already uh, apprehended the joker and joker is being brought into arkham asylum and batman feels has this sense that like oh it was too easy to capture him something is up and so he's uh accompanying joker in to just make sure that nothing goes wrong um sure enough joker gets free with the help of harley quinn and very abruptly like takes over the whole island that Arkham Asylum is on. And so your the entire game plays out among the various buildings that make up Arkham Asylum and and on this limited island that's outside of Gotham City. So you as Batman are uh you know trying trying to find Joker, facing off and meeting a whole bunch of villains that clearly Batman has faced in the past, like in in the world of this game, and working your way up to take out the Joker and restore control of Arkham Asylum. Yeah, and the ways you do that, you use your various uh, bat accoutrements. There are some, <laughs> you know, Metroidvania elements to it as you, as you work through the asylum and you gain new skills that help you traverse different parts of the asylum. You know, one of the things that appealed to me the most about this game is that it is so based on one location. Like, I do love games that really you know, let you explore in depth one specific location. So that's one of the reasons that I want to do this instead of, uh, say, Arkham City, which is much, much more sprawling. And to be honest, before we did this replay, I would have been one of the people who would have said, you know, Arkham City is good, but Arkham Asylum is really where, you know, the best in the series. Uh, just as a little, you know, foreshadowing, I don't know if I would say that anymore. I, I might, I might after this replay, I think I might have had some a rose-colored uh, glasses, a uh, rose-colored, uh, you know, retrospective thoughts about this game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking about it now, City might actually be the better game. But um, Had you replayed Asylum since it came out before this? No. We're doing it for this show. Okay, so you hadn't played it since it was released. No, I've, okay. no I played all the others because they've been coming out frequently enough, you know, sequels or 
prequels in one case that, you know, there's always some Arkham taste. Arkham Knight left a very bad taste in my mouth, uh, mostly because of the Batmobile. And just, I don't know, it just felt um, overly padded, overly bulky. I, I really soured on that game by the end. The story was, parts of it were really good, but parts of it were just the god-awful worst. <laughs> I remember you complaining about those Batmobile missions. Isn't there one where you have to use it to like ascend up an elevator shaft or something like that? I'm, I just remember many... you wrestling with something so stupid. And it, it feels so <laughs> cliche to, to be complaining about the Batmobile in that game, but the people complain about it for a reason. I, I hated it. I okay. hated it. But the reason we chose Batman Arkham Asylum, apart from the fact that I remembered it incredibly fondly, is I would put it up there with, you know, one of the top, say, five most influential games of the last decade wow. or 15 years. Maybe up there with like a Dark Souls in terms of influence. I think one of the reasons I also want you to play it is uh, just so you could see all the ideas that The Witcher ripped off directly from. Oh, tons. Witcher <laughs> vision, dude. See, I this is this is like an element of this I'm so interested in because I think honestly of maybe of all of the games that we've played for this show, I think this is the one where some of the like innovations or things that this game did for the first time are the most invisible to me. Because like I, I think I knew from background that this was the first or one of the first games to do that. Like I said, Witcher Vision jokingly, but it's that alternate version of sight where um, you can see sort of highlighted the things that are like interactable or or important, um, which the Witcher series then picks up as as, and that's like where I first encountered it. And in here, it's your detective vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I. I think this is the thing of like having a hard time looking backwards through time. I I genuinely was like, what else did it do first? Like, I, I actually don't know. I mean, the other major thing that The Witcher also slightly borrowed from was the combat system, which was incredibly influential. There are games that just rip it off wholesale, like the Mordor series, or even, you know, the current approach to Spider-Man is very, very much influenced by the Batman combat and, you know, the like I said, The Witcher is also, I think The Witcher is, if you take parts of Batman and parts of Dark Souls and then make both of them worse, you get The Witcher combat. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, combat is not the, the highlight of that game. I do like you, The Witcher 3, but combat is not its strong suit, I would say. You should try not using Quen. <laughs> You're insane. Um, but, yeah, this style of fighting that... You know, we've seen people try to, going back to Ocarina of Time, figure out in 3D space, how can we communicate fighting a big group of of baddies, mm -hmm. right? And uh, Zelda went with, as we talked about, you know, this kind of Chanbara influence where the baddies would wait for you to defeat one until another approaches, that kind of, that kind of style. Whereas Batman, you know, really wants you to feel like you are fighting you know, a gang of bad guys at certain times, right? A, a mob of guys who are swarming you. And so the, you know, the approach to combat, which is very much a um, a defensive style, right? Where you're free flowing between the, bat, between the bad guys, you know, using the directional stick to jump really quickly between bad guys across spaces, um, using a dodge button to dodge bad guys, but keep your combo going and, you know, build in your dodging, and you're deflecting into the flow of the combat, that was all Batman. Got it. And then also, like, I think one of the other things that I did notice that I've seen picked up by later games, including I think the Spider-Mans, is the, like, um, little halo of alert lines that baddies get when they're coming at you and coming, like, in for a hit. 
so that you can respond to them and parry or block and then keep things going. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like within the world of the superhero, that makes so much more sense with Spider-Man because he has Spidey sense. Oh, true. Yeah. Uh, but basically, you know, Batman does kind of have a Spidey sense. Um, yeah. It just to kind of empower you and make you feel like a superhero who can, you know, fend off this huge group of of enemies in a free flowing in a free flowing manner. So you feel like it's all part of one continuous fight. It also kind of gives some structure to the free flowing combat. Like this is actually something I liked is that I found um, because of the the alerts and the and the parry or blocks that you can do, which are really important for your combos and for not getting disrupted. It sort of prevented me from falling into just a little bit of a button mashy sort of chaotic thing. Like it it kind of anchors you a little bit more to like what's actually happening and how guys are responding to you. So I did like that as mm -hmm. an element of this combat. Yeah, so the combat was incredibly influential. And also, I think its approach to storytelling was, you know, kind of the the next step. Um, you know, playing the beginning of this game, even still, I find it incredibly impressive. And it, it feels like how I felt playing Half-Life for the first time. You know, that kind of big step where you are being told a story, but you're able to be active in the world. You can kind of, you know, you can move, you're moving through the world, you're engaging with the characters, but... There's still, you know, narrative happening around you, uh, but you're embodying this, you know, you're embodying the space. It, it's not happening in a cutscene. And I think, you know, this game, especially for for a character action game, um, did that, I think, better than anything at the time. I think, you know, better than what Uncharted was doing at the time, is that, you know, that series would then kind of catch up. But this was, for me at least, in terms of this kind of character action storytelling and integrating you know, player control into narrative scenes was the best for its time. Yeah, that makes sense. This is a really effective opening. And actually, one of my one of my favorite touches in it is that um, I feel like you weirdly get so much Joker characterization in this opening thing. Like when they're delivering him into Arkham, he's like he's strapped on like a Hannibal Lecter board. Like he's like fully strapped down, like full mask and everything like that. And I think like, you know, especially because this Joker is so like not physically menacing, really, like he's like this like wiry, weird guy. It's like everyone is so freaked out that he's arriving. Like there's so much like security theater mm -hmm. around. And so I don't know, it it really like it creates a sense of this being a special enemy in like the rogues gallery of batman like there's something extra dangerous about this person regardless of of like how he looks or whatever um and i think that's effective especially in a game where like most of what you do with enemies you meet is like punch and block um so yeah this is this is very good i spent a lot of the time of the opening scene like walking around looking through the windows at things going on in other rooms in mm -hmm. Arkham that you can look through and see. There's like guards uh, marching a bunch of prisoners at gunpoint, like <laughs> towards like workstations. Like there's a bunch of grim stuff happening in Arkham that like right away on your way in, like this is like through the entrance corridor. You're just like, oh God. The world building is so dense and happens so immediately. But at the same time, you know, you're watching the Joker basically perform uh, you know, as you walk beside him, it's Mark Hamill who's chewing up the scenery as he does as the Joker. He's so good. He earned every dime that he got paid for this. <laughs> like, 
that man is earning his paycheck on this on this thing. Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, these videos are playing, you know, from the warden that are kind of introducing you to the history of Arkham as you're walking through. There are tons of pictures of the warden on the walls, which is weird. Um, yeah, dude, right away clocked as the big bad. I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not with this guy. Uh, yeah. And as you know, as you're going with the Joker, there's some foreshadowing to enemies you're going to see. There's this, um, you know, Killer Croc encounter where Killer Croc is being kind of taken up and, you know, him and Joker banter a little bit. And so you you just know, OK, I'm going to find Killer Croc at some yeah. other point. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yeah. Just such an effective opening, setting the tone, setting the stage for this game, really getting you invested in this world. Um, and, and I think, you know, excited to to explore, you know, hints that, you know, there are going to be. Maybe some villains in here that you didn't expect and you'll likely come across them. But, you know, outside the opening, I think before we talk more about, you know, the details of the plot and the story, I'm really curious about how you felt being Batman. Because, again, for me, this was such a huge appeal at the time, because even with those side scrolling beat em ups, you never really you know, you never really feel like you're actually Batman. You feel like you're right. a side scrolling beat em up protagonist with, you know, some extra Batman like um attacks or weapons or tools, you know, gadgets. But this game, uh, I think, really tries to capture what it is like to be to be the Batman. And so yeah. did did you feel that as somebody who's not so invested in the character? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing to say is I'm like way less invested in Batman than like Batman's world. Like Batman is the least appealing part of this universe to me. Um, but I did... Boy, I love to climb a gargoyle, hang down from it, and snatch up guys. Okay, so so here's something we have to talk about. Um, because, you know, we talked about one part of the combat. This is another part of the co- of combat that this game, I think, pretty much innovated. Like, this style of stealth combat, right? So you basically have two types of combat rooms. One where you have a thousand guys running at you and you have to fight, fend off, you know, the mob. And then another style that is where you go into predator mode, as they call it, Um where you're pretty much using the shadows, lurking around, using all these gargoyles that are in this building. Um, these these indoor gargoyles. <laughs> love it. <laughs> you know, swinging from gargoyle to gargoyle in the, in, in the ceiling, using your, you know, Batman detective vision to, to have a sense of where everybody is in the room. And then pretty much, you know, using stealth to plot out their demise from the shadows. Um, you know, these they're, they're kind of operate more as puzzle rooms than as combat yeah. sequences. Um, I love this. The very first skill that I invested in as soon as I got like points to like uh, add on capabilities was the thing where Batman hangs upside down from a gargoyle until a guy walks underneath and then he snatches them up and strings them up from the gargoyle. Yeah. Um, so such a satisfying move. Oh, my um, God. Ripped off directly for Spider-Man, which, you know, makes sense because he's got the webs. Like, yeah, of yeah. course, Spider-Man would do that. But even in that game, again, this never st- this never gets old. That's the best move. Oh, it's so good because you're hanging upside down. Like, I don't know. It just it's so excellent. I love it. I love to be the predator. There's lots of, you know, going through vents. There's sometimes like tunnels underneath floorboards and stuff that you can see where you can pop out at different places and like set up traps for guys like this part. I loved I I liked but got pretty tired, to be honest, of basically all of the combat against grunts, um, of which there is a lot. So that sort of like brawler, fist fighty, you know, you're you're responding and blocking and all that stuff. Like I definitely buy a couple hours in every time there was a new room of those guys. I was like, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, I felt it getting old too. So they, they do try to keep it fresh by, you know, kind of scaffolding some enemy types where they introduce new enemy types that require new tactics. So, you know, there'll be an enemy now with a gun or one with a knife or one with a, like a taser. Um, and so, you know, you can't just use your basic attacks anymore. Some you always have to counter. Some you have to use your your big heavy cape to kind of deflect before you can attack. And so part of the combat as it goes is, you know, trying to keep your flow going, understand and, you know, identify the different types of enemies and respond accordingly based on what that enemy needs you to do so you can actually attack it. This gets layered much more in Arkham City. And that's where I think there's the sweet spot of enough different enemy types uh, but that aren't overwhelming. So you can so there's a mix of the challenge to keep your combo going, but it still feels manageable. Arkham Knight for me just introduced too many different kinds of guys. And yeah, sometimes in the cluster you couldn't really see which type of guy you were attacking. It just became it became too muddled. I always found in that game much more cumbersome to kind of keep a combo going. I think City is a place where they hit the sweet spot, but but you know they do try to add some things so it doesn't just become a, a brawler or a, yeah. you know a button mashing brawler. You do need yeah, a little yeah. bit of strategy. There, the other thing that I really really loved at first, and then was like I've seen this too many times now is. There's some big, big boys who will like, you know, charge at you like like a bull. Um, and with a lot of those, the way you have to fight them is when they're charging you, you throw your batarang at their head to stun them. They'll like crash into a wall and get stunned. And then you get up on their back and then they stand up and they're like swinging around wildly and you can sort of direct them to like hit other guys or like run into other walls. I like the first time that I figured out that I could and also had to do this, I was like, it was like as as much as I as high as I ever was on this game. Like, I oh, wow. love being on the back of one of these big boys and like swiping like it's so good. And then they'll throw you off eventually. Um, I they, they you end up this... having to do a lot of those. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was so sick of these fights. So I call them the Bane fights because it's kind yeah, of introduced yeah. in a boss fight and then it just becomes a thing you do a lot. And yeah, I, I, I wasn't expecting you to bring this up so soon, but this was one of my I was just so fed up of these types of enemies by yeah. the end. Uh, yeah, it, it really ruined the back half of the game for me. Just the frequency of this type of fight. Um, so good at the start, though. Like yeah. the first your first like times doing that, it feels incredible because also like it's it feels good for batman to be smaller than a guy mm -hmm. so so i didn't realize i forgot that they weren't in this game but in subsequent games they have as an enemy these like big fat boys and you yes. have to you have to stun them and then you just like rapidly punch them in their big belly and it's so <laughs> satisfying to do and it, yeah it was bummed that they weren't in here because they the, those are my favorite those are my favorite animated fights. Just so satisfying to just like, like, just like wail on their their big tum. That would have been a welcome addition. <laughs> so yeah, I I like the stealth. I found really fun. Um, the the brawling I got a little fatigued with, to be totally honest. I think another thing that I really associate with being Batman is like using lots of tools. Um, and I feel like I got two thirds of the tool use that I wanted out of this mm. game. I wanted several more, and also you appear in both the Batmobile and the, what's the flying thing? The Batplane. The Batplane, uh, but you don't really get to interact with either of them. Oh, you, no, you're lucky you don't get to interact with the well, Batmobile. <laughs> Monkey's paw girls. <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I like, I, I did enjoy the tools that I did get to use, but they felt, um, they felt like, okay. Uh, and I, I kept, you know, as, as I was unlocking more upgrades and stuff, like you can add little things to your abilities in your core tool set. I really kept thinking I was going to unlock more or more like drastic departures from the way that I had been using my my tool set that you get somewhat early on. And like you add to things a little bit, but honestly, I I I kind of I could have had like a couple more toys a little bit. Sure, I like the yeah. toys. Yeah, and in subsequent games you do get more and they're integrated a little bit better into the combat. But yeah, for a first go, you know, you've got your standard batarang, you got your grappling hook, you know, the things you really you really want. And then he has this explosive foam that he I do can like use. the explosive foam. That's really fun that you can um you can detonate from afar so you can kind of set up traps for baddies. Um really fun in the predator section, you know, where you're you you're just it's just a cat and mouse game and you can just toy with these these poor fools. It, it's so fun. But uh Batman also whenever he uses this explosive foam, he always sprays it on in a little bat signal. Yeah. <laughs> which That's just for him. That That's yeah, just... that I can't consider that canon. <laughs> it's it's, that's it's too like far. not an easy shape, right? No. <laughs> like <it's... laughs> And like if you have him do it three times to one wall, he will do the bat all three times. <laughs> it's like this is a lot. The other thing that you encounter in this game are a bunch of your bat friends. Crucial. Yes. Batman has bat friends and he has cop friends. Those are two kinds of friends that he has. He has He's Mayor got... Hagger. I mean May- Commissioner right? Gordon. Commissioner Gordon is so jacked commissioner gordon is like how cops imagine themselves he's he's like <laughs> he's bigger the uber mensch he's so big he's enormous like he just he's just a brick wall of a man which is extra funny because basically all he does in this game is get captured and be in danger like he's basically <laughs> the damsel in, the, in this game yeah. at multiple points yeah and basically you just have the gordons you have Commissioner yeah. Gordon, who's being captured, and then you have Oracle or Barbara Gordon, who communicates to you via radio. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't know the Oracle character. Like, I didn't know this whole part. I only knew Barbara Gordon becomes Batgirl at some point. I didn't know okay. about all this stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And, you know, you, like, learn a bit about it from, like, the... There's a little, like, folio thing that you have where you gradually, like, collect backgrounds on all these different characters in the game or in the Batman universe, and you can get audio logs and stuff related to them. So I, I like caught up on what was going on with Barbara. But yeah. And I got to say the audio logs, sorry, just the audio logs in this game are of any game the most motivated because the audio logs are of some of the key villains uh, of the rogues gallery. And they're all um, like this, like conversations between that villain and their psychiatrist. Yeah. Like psychiatric the... interviews. Yeah. 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 So it, so it gives their backstory, but it, it's in a way that actually makes sense diegetically, unlike most games where the audio logs don't make any logical sense why they would exist. I mean, this is not HIPAA compliant. Like, this is like the loosest. Have you like, seen patient Arkham? Okay, Arkham looks like I actually in my notes, like after my first opening thing, I was like, is Arkham based on Guantanamo Bay? It's like sprawling and enormous everything has like 14 foot like iron ceilings and these like huge door and like super high-tech electrical fencing and like electrical floors around cells so that even if like a door got open or something people like it's truly wild but yeah somehow on top of all of this like loosest patient confidentiality protocols in the biz like just 
recordings, tapes, whatever. We I think yeah, just, just leave very, it out in the open. Very loose protocols in general. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take a lot for a Joker to get loose in this. Speaking of loose security protocols, <laughs> Batman constantly talking to Oracle in his ear is like basically like, hello, Barbara Gordon. Barbara Gordon, <laughs> it's me, Bruce Wayne. Barbara, your father, Commissioner Gordon, is in trouble. How do you feel about your father, Commissioner Gordon, like potentially losing his only daughter, which is you, Barbara Gordon, who is the oracle <laughs> in my ear? It's me, Bruce Wayne. Like, I cannot, he's like talking out loud to her and he says their names so many times. I was like, Jesus Christ, get real loosey goosey with the like, <laughs> with the secret identity stuff here. I mean, like, that said, I do. Batman is is kind of a flat character for me. Like I sort of feel like I'm always a little more interested in the Bruce Wayne side than than like him as a person. But like I like all the voice acting in this, honestly. Like I I think in terms of like being Batman, like it kind of works because of he's not a blank slate, but like he has a very flat emotional well, yeah, the, range as batman <laughs> like no that's that that i think is why he's my favorite superhero is because he's just an entry point into this wild world yeah where the and and it's like the world of gotham and of batman for me is of any superhero like the best world mm. and so batman is just you know the the conduit into exploring that exploring that world like yeah like if you want interpersonal relationships you probably there are some good ones, but, you, you know, Spider-Man is probably yeah. the way to go. Um, but if you just want just the best villains. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, any any other thoughts about being the Batman? Um, you got Batcave that you installed <laughs> you do that no Batman one noticed. <laughs> In oh Guantanamo Bay, so you cool. you, it is cool, but it also is like, this is wild. <laughs> like, it's fine. It, it's a video game, dude. Like, just... It's calm a down video and game, have a good time. and it's Batman. Yeah, calm down. I I know, but also it's like okay. Well, <laughs> my God. All right. Okay, okay. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about a little bit of the story moving through this world, and I'm sure Michelle will find a lot of more logical inconsistencies in the world of Batman. We'll be right back. And we're back. So now let's spend a bit of time talking about, you know, what you're actually doing in this game, moving through this plot. Because as mentioned before, this is a story written by Paul Dini, who was one of the lead writers in the Batman the Animated Series. It was such a big deal that he was coming back. And, you know, I think by and large, with a few caveats, you can tell, I think, that, you know, somebody who's used to writing comics or for television um, 
might have struggled with filling in all the gaps in a game, which we'll get to. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think the, the through line here is a pretty good Batman story. So as you mentioned, you know, it, it begins with this great moment of Batman capturing the Joker and then walking him through the asylum. But Batman immediately, because Batman's no dummy, you know, he immediately thinks something's up because it was it was too easy to capture the Joker. He wanted to be caught. So almost instantly, and I mean really almost instantly, um, he gets loose with help from Harley Quinn and like very little effort, like a betrayal by a, a guard who was in on the take. Um, and yeah, a lot of crooked cops. Yeah. Shocking um, for, you know, this. I mean, for Gotham, mostly. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, right away, you're kind of like off to the races in terms of um, getting all these video taunts from the Joker that are like appearing on screens that are the type that used to be showing the warden's messages. Um, Commissioner Gordon is quite quickly abducted um, or captured. And so the first whole segment is you basically tracking Harley Quinn, who has Gordon with her. And on the way, um, you're you're into one of the main medical buildings and you figure out that there are these three important doctors um, that you have to track down and rescue who are sort of stranded in all different parts of different wings of, of the building that's been taken over by former inmates, but also some of the, the Joker's guys who were in the, the non-criminal insanity prison have been sent over here. Yeah, this game loves like the rule, like the gamey rule of threes where you have to find three things. And then yeah. after you get those three things, you have to do another three things. And yep. then after that, you continue along and then, oh, three, three pumps now need to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, like, so that's that's what I mean. Like structurally, it's there. They did seem to struggle with, you know, how do we connect the major plot points? And it's usually we'll just make Batman do the same thing three times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I mean, it is great because you you do immediately get introduced to this this world of, again, like the most decrepit possible institution you've ever seen in your life. And just walking through, you know, the medical facility even is it, it just has so much character. And I mean, there are so many little, you know, Easter eggs or references to the greater Gotham world. I, I mean, one of the first things you see is a poster on the wall in one of, you know, like not the wardens, but, you know, one of the administrator's offices for Oswald Cobblepot's Iceberg Lounge. And it's like, hmm. isn't that a weird thing to, to have on the wall, like a, an advertisement <laughs> for a known mob boss in in your asylum for his his clear, like, front operation? And also, like, possible prior inmate, and if not prior, then clear future <laughs> inmates. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think Penguin's more of a black gate kind of guy than an okay. Arkham kind of okay. guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. like like Catwoman's a, a black gate True. criminal, yeah, yeah, yeah. not an Arkham criminal. They're not like A, physical freakos or um, B, like the Joker. You know, they're just like people who like to do crime. <laughs> That's like a different category of guy. That's it. So, so you know, the, the villains you see, the rogues gallery that makes sense for Arkham is a very specific subset of of the batman you know rogues gallery so you have to wait until city to get to get penguin yeah like arguably i kind of wondered if zaz really belongs here like he just is like a guy who loves to do murder he just loves he loves murder he's, he's just a, mean he's a major serial killer in arkham i, I mean in gotham i think i think he belongs he's not just like a mean guy 
He just loves killing. <laughs> he just loves what he does. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, he's he's like find, the first. Listen, you know, find what you love. Do oh what god. you love for a living, and you'll never yeah. work a day in your life. He's kind of you know a C tier villain, and he's like the first you know named guy that you fight, and he's kind of your tutorial villain. You know, he you have to take him out, and you learn about the detective vision. Uh, you see him again. You see him again later, but uh, he's not he's not incredibly prominent here. He's actually kind of more present in. Arkham City because he he's doing killings and he keeps calling you at payphones telling you you know that he's going to do a killing somewhere okay so yeah spoiler Zaz gets free <laughs> yeah I mean I assume everyone's getting free like it's yeah. I've, I've seen the security <laughs> at this place so a few things happen as you're kind of on your way to you know find Gordon and also you know rescue these three doctors one is that uh you pick up a little question mark thing. Oh God! Which and and you don't really know why yet. But as you go, then you then you hear you know patching into your little earphone that you talk to Oracle with is who I think is you know the series true villain, the Riddler. <laughs> Listen, bad news, everybody. The Riddler got loose and he put little question mark trophies in all the vents. What are we gonna do? He spray painted upwards of three question marks onto various parts of these buildings. <laughs> So pointed out a number okay. of vignettes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So maybe I need to defend these just for my own sanity because in this and in City, I got all the Riddler trophies. Like oh 100% my God. Of the trophies. In, you actually get some cool things in, in City and in Night. You actually unlock like a separate boss fight with the Riddler. Like there's actual like Oh, that's cool actually. There. All right. Though in Night, there were just too many and I lost my patience and a lot of them were Batmobile related. So it's the only <laughs> one I didn't 100%. But I love the Riddler trophies as collectibles. I love them so much and I was so compelled to get them. So there are some that are just like hidden in spaces and you kind of like have to Metroidvania your way to find them. You can say in vents. They're like 90% in vents. Those, those ones. Those those are the worst, um, <laughs> especially because Batman's vent opening animation oh boy. is like six hours long and you can't skip it. And you it takes just have to like so long. You're button mashing that whole time, like oh god, just you know what so, I want to do. So those are the worst. But then there are some other kinds of Riddler trophies that I think are really good. Some are lore trophies. So he'll just make reference to a character, and then you, you know, you find you know a character in the Batman lore, and then you find some kind of paraphernalia relating to that character in the scene, and then you unlock like a little explanation, you know, lore guide about that character. I found those so cool. Yeah, no, they're cool. I think like, I think so. Some of these were cool. Some of them were just taking a picture of the inscription on a statue that says Martha Wayne. Um, and sure, it's, I think you got to explore to find it. You got to like figure out what he's talking about. There's a little bit more there. Well, I think this is also a thing where like um, most of the villains that so, okay, First of all, I love that I got to meet villains in this game that I didn't know existed. That fundamentally is good. I'm glad that this game wasn't just playing the hits. Like, I okay. think that's positive. And can I stop you here? Because I don't know if you found this one. This is the one that I did not know about before, even when I played. And I remember just being completely shocked that this character existed. I think can, I guess, relatively... can I guess what one you're going to name? Yes. Ratcatcher? No, I knew okay. about the Ratcatcher. Oh, okay. Did you find... Humphrey Dumpler. Oh. Yeah, so he's 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 the villain Humpty Dumpty. But here's here's his lore. Humphrey Dumpler, oh, God. a large, portly, well-mannered man, is obsessed with putting things back together again, even if he has taken them apart. <laughs> Obese and bald, 
Dumpler was nicknamed Humpty Dumpty for his egg-like form. And also not named. Be- well, that's what I was going to say. Not because his name is Humphrey Dumpler. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and uh, yeah, apparently he tried to fix his abusive grandma by taking her apart and putting her back together. But he's he's, he's relatively... Yeah, so that gets kind of dark. But I guess he's relatively gent- he's relatively gently guy- gentle guy. I just love that they had to make him look like an egg. And it wasn't just enough that his name was Humphrey Dumpler yeah. that likes taking things apart and putting them together to get the Humpty Dumpty nicknames. Like, no, we also got to just make him look like an egg. There's Yeah, there's some of these that are a little bit like... You didn't really create a character here, did you? Like, there's Tweedledee and Tweedledum who are literally just like two cousins who look exactly like what you're picturing and yeah but they're... but they make they make sense because they hang out with the mad hatter who is oh we're just his... literally taking guys from other things now well yeah his whole thing he has like an alice in wonderland obsession okay. and so that those are like his they're very much in the vein of you know like in the um 60s like adam west batman where each of the villains had a bunch of henchmen that like dressed up like them in their and shtick were, like, yeah the, yeah or like themed around them yeah they're kind of a, a more modern version of that so premise. can i tell you about one fun metagame that actually became one of my favorite parts of this that i played purely with myself so sure you're getting as you you know take find these little vignettes or little things that are about different characters and you unlock their their little profile in your your collectible your like book of stamps of like all the batman guys um the 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 their little info sheet also says where they first appeared and so every time i met a new guy that i'd never heard before i played Guess what era this came from? <laughs> and because like Batman has had uh, even like, again, I don't know that much about the character, but there's like some pronounced eras and shifts in like tone and like what kind of villains are being mm-hmm. created in different eras. Um, I was very, very accurate about almost all of them, except for one, which I will tell you when we get there that I was so off about. Okay, we'll, we'll get to your your little surprise. of what I'm very curious <laughs> to know what you got wrong. And so, you know, that's kind of one kind of the Riddler trophy that I really liked. The other one is the one that you made fun of where you said he's, you know, he spray painted some question marks around where you find, you know, the dot on the question mark or, you know, the question mark part without the dot. And then you have to like you like move around the space to try to connect them. They are. Those are actually cool. Like, yeah, they're cool, like perspectival puzzles that really just get you to kind of think about the space differently. I think sometimes they they also suggest a a hidden place that you can get to that you Mm -hmm. might not have noticed otherwise. Those are actually those are legit cool like i yeah. still think it's funny that riddler escaped and like spray painted all this shit everywhere and like put trophies and vents but like it yeah it's it's he a fun challenge- puzzle element of the yeah. game he has to challenge your mind some of these don't really challenge your mind some of these are just things in vents but i do love the riddler trophies as a collectible <laughs> i will i will stand by them except for the find all the jokers clacking teeth that's a bridge too far. yeah 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 fair enough Okay, so as you're going through, you then encounter a another villain that I don't know if you were expecting. Um, and you might not even know it's him at the time, the Scarecrow. Yeah, Scarecrow is, uh, is a recurring segment. Your encounters with him are a recurring segment in this game. And for me, one of the highlights actually of the entire game. So... In in each of these segments, um, Scarecrow injects you with some with his fear drug that makes you hallucinate your fears and all that stuff. But in most of the segments, you don't see Bat or register Batman getting injected, and so a lot of the time you have sort of a gradual slide into a hallucinogenic state, which is so fun to go through in the context of Arkham and like all the weird stuff that's already going on there. 
Yeah, the um, first time this happened, were you were you surprised? So like, were you were you trying to figure out what was going on or did you like, oh, so like Scarecrow got me? Well, so did this come out before or after the Christopher Nolan movie with Scarecrow? The movie came out first. OK, yeah, yeah. So I think like that's like one of the most, mem- you know, Scarecrow's like always pretty front of mind for me, like especially since that <laughs> that movie with with Bat Angelus. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever said Scarecrow is Scarecrow. pretty front of mind. I'm all, I'm always thinking about Scarecrow a little bit, you know. He's <laughs> not Catwoman. No, I listen. You have your taste. I have mine. Um, yeah, no, I like honestly. I was like, oh, cool, a, a scary hallucination. I wonder what what caused this. Um, but it does it. So it sweeps you away to this whole eventual like altered state thing where you're in this really surreal space of like floating pieces of the asylum with in like this vortex with this massive massive like the size of a building um hallucinogenic scarecrow in the middle that is like scanning around for you and will attack you and you have to like run from little cover to cover to get through them i mean i think like there are a little bit of diminishing returns on this. There's there's three of these segments throughout the game. Um, and, you know, they escalate and change a little bit, but the core idea is still the same. Like, I think that, you know, this part that you're describing, like the actual weird, like, platforming section where you have to stealth around this huge scarecrow and then hit the bat signal is the worst part of the scarecrow segments. Like, I, I'd much prefer if there was just the hallucination parts, which are actually really interesting. And then they cut back on these, especially when they start adding, like, combat. Like, they're just padding for me by the end. I think the like so I liked some of the, I liked the hallucination section where um Batman is hallucinating himself being taken into Arkham in where the Joker was in the in the original Yeah, that's game. the last one. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. I like that one. The like the earlier one of the earlier ones is like about the Batman origin story and Bruce's parents getting killed and all that. And I just like I've seen like you play a young Bruce Wayne with an enormous head. <laughs> His dome is so big that he's almost a Humphrey Dumpler. I did not notice that at all. But I, yeah, I mean, that was like, I, I just like, I saw that the the name of the area changed to Wayne Manor. And I was like, okay, I know I'm not in Wayne Manor. And like, I just, it, this isn't the game's fault, really, I don't think. But I, I just feel like I've seen the... Like what happened to the Waynes? Like re re poking that trauma wound so many times that it's like it's hard to really for that to feel super affecting. I think like it, so that fell a little bit flat for me. I think, but no, yeah, fair enough. And I think you know these sequences in general felt more innovative in two thousand nine than they necessarily do today mm-hmm. because you know you you've seen other things pick up on this type of you know storytelling. Um, though you know. One of the originators of this storytelling is Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem, which you refuse to play. But it's I got think too you much name. Actually, I think you would actually enjoy. You know what? It does keep <laughs> coming up in context of like things that make me think oh. I would. It's just too much name. We can't, we can't okay. do it. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you know, as you're going as you're going through, as you mentioned, you're gonna you're gonna find Bane. Um, you have this Bane fight, which is the first of the those kind of Matador fights that just get replicated. You find your secret Batcave. Uh, but, you know, along the way, I think, I, I guess this is a question I have for you. Were you expecting to ever leave the asylum? Because I, I, that's another thing that I remember um, so fondly is realizing that, oh, you're, it's not just all connected in one building. You actually go outside onto the grounds. 
yeah, there's there's a penitentiary, there's botanical gardens, there's a mansion, there's all kinds of of places on the island. Yeah, um, were you like yeah, like for me that was so exciting to actually get to go and explore this larger outdoor environment. I don't know if you even cared, but in 2009 that was not expected because in my mind this was all just going to be taking place in kind of one interconnected building. Yeah, um, I I this is this is fine to me. There was something so. To me, because one of the first things that I was picking up on in that intro sequence was how ridiculously, I mean, like Guantanamo Bay this place was, there's something I kind of liked about the idea that I was going to spend this whole game locked in almost like being in like Rapture in Bioshock, you know, where it's like there's different wings and there's different places in this one building where where things happen, but it's all kind of one enclosed like dungeony space. Um and I I sort of was into that like the idea that like okay the key, the door to Arkham Asylum has locked behind me and I don't get out of here until this thing is resolved. And you do basically get that same dynamic play. Like the island isn't so large and probably realistically it's a good choice for the game to give you the variety of being um outside, having different buildings, even returning to different buildings and seeing them in a very different form. I yeah, I mean it's it's like pretty stunning when you first emerge into the open air and you can see the entire island for the first time and you can see Gotham City in the distance and um Wayne Enterprises building. Like that's all very impressive. I I can imagine a different version of this game that makes really good use out of just locking you into that one intense space. Um but yeah, I like this direction too. Even Samus gets to go outside. <laughs> I would like to point out. Yeah, I mean, Samus isn't locked in an asylum. Like, yeah, I, I don't begrudge it. I just, I also could imagine a, a strong set of creative choices that could have been structured around just being this descent into the bowels of this like nightmare building, right? Um, so, yeah. Both good options. So, you know, as we continue through the game, we realize that Joker is really trying to make a basically an army of super mutants with this um, chemical called Titan. He needs to enlist the help of Poison Ivy to do this. I don't know if you're expecting her in this game, but she actually becomes a pretty important part of this game and actually the series as a whole. I was not expecting her and I was delighted to see her. Poison Ivy is a villain that I really truly welcome her presence in almost anything i love this batman villain um i love plants i'm very sympathetic i find this to be like i i just love poison ivy she's a great freak like how good and i love that her plants get to be super and out of control and she kind of loses her shit in this game i like fundamentally i think like so the I like any any plot that's like make an army of super mutants is inherently stupid. But this this like doing that by having like all the plants in the island producing like the bane serum and like being affected by them and taking over the entire island, that is Michelle Bate. That is like So so you love Batman and Robin. No, but not because I don't think it would have been possible to do a good Poison Ivy plot. I just think that movie sucks ass. <laughs> you, got that, you got that Poison Ivy and Bane combo that you've always dreamed of. Well, so, but it but it requires Joker as the lever who's like doing the manipulating, right? Like, it's not that I love that combo. It's that like, I don't know. I, I like let Poison Ivy have like super powerful plants. That's all I feel. Like, 
Just let her have good freako plants. Let that happen. It happens in this game. It's great. So yeah, also, this is like what gives us momentum into like the conclusion of the story, right? Because once Batman knows that this is what's happening, this is how it's being delivered, um, we have this plot where he then is going to find uh, a cure for the Bane serum, which uh, one of the doctors had been working on that he thinks he can synthesize in the Batcave and release onto the island. So that's basically sort of the back third of the game is is that process and along the way you're just gonna like meet and have boss fights with like a bunch of batman villains that that have you've been building up to yeah i mean one thing that happens here that i think is really interesting is that joker infects ivy with the titan that like you said she loses control but her plants then take over the whole island they start encroaching in all these spaces and kind of transforming you know spaces that were once familiar which um, I thought I, I find really, really kind of fun to go back through you totally. know, like a plant infested part of uh, of Arkham. They change how some of the the bad guys fight. Also, there's like new types of bad guys that spawn as a result. These sort of like zombie things that run up and attack you. Like, yeah, I I really loved backtracking into some of the old spaces. And, you know, they're now filled with this like poisonous gas. And there's these roots everywhere that change the shape of like how you can navigate through rooms. That stuff all feels really good. Yeah. And then in order to, you know, find the antidote, you have to descend into the lair of the killer croc. Yeah. Yep. Uh, This is the one that I misjudged what era it was from. Oh, I I guess this was going to be a very stupid 1940s villain that he would have been like some guy who like just wore like a fedora made of croc skin. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, No. Once I saw the answer, which is 80s. It so aligns with 80s stuff that I was like, oh, that's that's my mistake. But so <laughs> this is a very stupid villain. Um, but yeah. And I, and I, I mean, in the context of this game, too, because you have all these weird titans that also have like big bodies and tiny yeah. heads. I feel that like he's he's not given the gravitas that maybe he needs. He just kind of looks like a Goomba from the Super Mario Brothers. Yes. Movie extremely that yes absolutely enormous body the tiniest most comical pinhead you have ever seen so he's a very stupid villain and like at no point am i really gonna feel anything but but i actually kind of liked his segment in the sewers like really kind of yeah this is my least favorite part of the game even the first time i played it oh so i found it kind of tense and so i think my real thing I was just so tired of beating up grunts at this point that I was like, oh, we're going to do this is something I haven't done before in this game. Like, okay, good. So basically the very short version of when you're in his lair, it's all these pathways through sort of sewer system that are like floating boards, basically. And he's in the water. And so you're navigating. He's going to spring out at different times and try to attack you. And you have to stun him or run away from where he's pulling the boards under. So you're you're also trying to gather these samples to synthesize the cure for the for the Titan um, the Titan formula. So you hated this, Michelle. It's partially a Crash Bandicoot sequence. How could you like this? No, you're only running towards the screen for one second, if for like five seconds, and it's at the very end where you're just getting out of the lair. There's nothing you have to do. There's no jumping. It's it's so simple. It's more like the Sonic thing that we talked about where the perspective just turns so you can see the whale. It's much more like that than it is like Crash Bandicoot. Don't bring in inappropriate Crash Bandicoots into this conversation. 
I, I don't know. I feel like this segment goes on way too long. Like, okay, it's a little yeah, yeah, it's it's tense when he just appears, but you just clock him in the head with the batarang once and he tips over. Like, it's it's very anticlimactic, and then you just have to do that 10 times. That's fair. Yeah, not not my favorite part of the, the game. What is one of my favorite parts of the game, though, is when you get back to the Batcave uh, to develop the antidote, and Ivy's plants encroach on the Batcave. Yeah. Anytime this happens in Batman, anytime... A villain gets into the Batcave. I think nothing is more tense. Nothing is scarier. The sanctum has been violated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. And I'm so happy it happened here. It just freaks me out. And you just feel so less safe. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Killer plants are good, dude. Um, And then, you know, you're you want to you think you're going into the, you know, the end of the the end game. And then, no, you got to solve some pump like three pump rooms that need to be. Yeah, I don't know. Pumped. It's it's again just these you know there's these moments, especially in the back half, that really just kill the momentum for me. They're just they just really feel like padding. There's this like water contamination threat, which is why you have to go here because you know the 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 toxin has gotten into the water. It just seems so excessive and tacked on at at the end. You know, like yeah. these are high stakes, but introduce this earlier. Don't introduce this as I'm about to go fight the final bad guy because you realize you need another hour in your game, yeah. <laughs> which is really what it feels like. Especially because and, all you do to turn them off is just like find them and like click on them. Like <laughs> there's no. Yeah, it just so it's again just kind of going through waves of guys, waves of guys, and at that point, you know, they you've gone through waves of guys. Yes, yeah. So after you do that, you return back to the botanical gardens. You have a fight with a gigantic poison ivy, um, which is an interesting fight because it's basically the th- a 3D version of the fight from that Super Nintendo game I was talking about earlier, The Adventures of Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, yeah, where it's very much similar. She's not attached to this giant plant, but you're fighting this giant plant that is shooting spores. And you have to dodge the spores and then you know attack it when its mouth opens. Like very similar to that fight, which I found interesting. You know what? I, you know what it actually made me think of weirdly is God of War. I was like, this is a God of mm, War mm-hmm. fight. Yeah, yeah, of the one that we played earlier. Yeah, it, you know, I, I like the spectacle of it. Again, it was like, I by this point in the game, they just like can't let you have a boss fight where you don't also have a bunch of grunts to deal with. Yeah. And like, they don't improve this fight. Um, yeah, all I'll say is thank God there was a checkpoint halfway through this fight. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, she has two phases that you have to go through. Um, so yeah, I mean, I... I like to find it's a fine video game fight. You got a big old plant shooting shit at you. You got poison ivy in a butt. Like, what do you want? Is it this? It's yeah. fine. It's perfectly fine. It's it's not the worst fight in this game. No, which we're getting to. So then after poison ivy, then you finally get to fight the Joker or at least get close to the Joker. There are fireworks celebrating. Yeah, that you can he finally make it to his to the party. Yeah, all of his baddies are outside, like applauding you, and you can choose to attack them or not. This um, I found very fun. I like that they there's a grunt there's a grunt who like has to check if you're on the guest list, mm-hmm. and like it makes you <laughs> wait there. He's like Batman or Man of Honor. You're like standing there in like Batman's get up, and he's like, "Oh, here's your name, our guest of honor. Go right in." Like I loved the theater of all of that. Like that was really fun. Yeah. So you you go inside. You have to do one more shitty fight with like two big brutes. So like two big Banes again, Mm -hmm. which at this point, I almost quit the game. (laughs) These fights I find so annoying, especially in tight spaces when there's two of them. You just get so cramped sometimes that it's very hard to move. Um, I think part of this was because coming off of Spider-Man and Miles Morales, I'm so used to this style of combat, but also having the agility of Mm Spider-Man, which Batman does not have, which makes sense. But also... He's very slow uh, relative to Spider-Man. 
And also, you can't cancel out of animations, which True. drives me nuts. <laughs> which, again, I think, you know, makes sense with the Batman character. But when you want to cancel out of an animation so you can dodge and you can't do it, it is a little bit rage-inducing. Yeah. I found. And I was just so sick of these fights at this time. I was just, get me to Joker. Yeah, let's do this. Um, I, f- I just forgot how many of these fights were in the game. Uh, one thing I didn't forget, though, is that Joker is basically just another version of this, like of a brute fight. Yep. And so that's what we had to look forward to. The Joker, who injects himself with Titan and becomes a big mutant Joker. So, okay. Big mutant Joker shouldn't work logically. Like it shouldn't, that's not like what is, you have lots of like big mutants in Batman. You shouldn't, what's special about Joker shouldn't like need that. However. In fact, you've, you fought 60 of those huge mutants. Right. Up until this point. Right. However, I did kind of like the design on huge mutant Joker. Like for a second, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like with you on, I'm with you on this. Like, what if this is cool? Cause I was wondering if we were going to have like a big idea for how this fight was going to unfurl where like now he's still him, but he's also got this physicality. Uh, that's not what happened. <laughs> what happened was you have to like run away from him for a little bit. And then he hops up onto a ledge and sends waves of grunts at you that you have to take out in a certain amount of time so you can make him fall back down into the into like the ring like the stadium on the roof of of uh arkham asylum and then you punch him and then you punch him and like you do it three times and you've done it dimitri you have fought so many grunts at this point like i i had an almost like i don't know if i'm gonna finish this at one point when um I think I was even like, you have to get in with these big hits like three times. I think I was at two and I just like couldn't get the third one. And then I think I died and I was just like so tired of the grunts that I just like, Mm -hmm. I was, I was like, I don't care how this ends. If it was not for the show, there's no way I would have bothered to finish this. And then you get a really um, anticlimactic ending as well in this game. I don't think they had much time to to flesh it out. God, it's so short. The Arkham City ending is so good and meaningful. And then this ending is just, yeah, very short. It's like, I bet it's less than 60 seconds. You are like out of there and at credits. It literally is like Joker's arrested. Two second conversation between Batman and Commissioner Gordon where he's like, good work, Batman, go home for the night. And then you hear two faces loose and Batman gets into the into his plane like the martyr that he is and flies away. That's it. That's it. Done. Goodbye. Please buy the next game. <laughs> so anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah the the ending of this game, playing it now. I don't know. Maybe the first. Maybe I blocked this from my mind, or maybe it was just you know the excitement of just being in this world the first time I played it. But I found you know the back third of this game, like the final act, just painful. A just log, dude. Just so much padding in terms of what you're doing, and then anytime you're about to build momentum, they just throw you off by doing another you know tripartite task. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it was just a pain. And I, I don't know if it was just because I was trying to finish it relatively quickly, but yeah, it was at that moment. like, oh, maybe I think I forgot all of these parts of the game. And, and I think, you know, of the series, maybe this isn't the best one. I think there's just too much, kind of too much padding at the end. Like the, the pacing is just completely off for me this time. And it, yeah, it, it was kind of disappointing coming to terms with that. I still think, you know, the game does 
things it does brilliantly, brilliantly, but so much it doesn't do brilliantly, and including I'd say all the boss fights. Yeah, um, yeah. I really think the last quarter or third, it's really relying on how much it's been able to pull you in up to that point. Like I think I can understand why you, who was like in the year this came out, relishing and having like a great Batman game in this character that you love for the first, like why that fundamental joy of like being there would carry you through something like this. I don't know why you didn't, not the final Joker fight, (laughs) but like, you know, sometimes you're content to just do stuff in, in a game world. Like I understand that feeling. And so that doesn't seem that weird to me, although like I, I just hadn't formed that relationship with the game, but yeah, this, this like, you could cut a couple hours out of this and be just fine. Yeah, and I'm sure there was, I'm sure there's padding in City too. I, I wonder if I go back and play that again, like if I'd feel the same way. I, a lot, a lot more is optional, I think, which, which maybe helps. Um, the thing I'm curious about with this game, because this isn't something that you found because you didn't, you didn't hundred percent it like I would have when I when I played the first time. I, don't know why but um you know as you go through your you one of the collectibles are these things called like the spirit of arkham mm-hmm. and uh you know as you collect all these things you're learning about this you know the spirit of arkham and basically what you learn is that the real big bad is has been warden sharp all along who has been potentially possessed by the spirit of amadeus arkham mm-hmm. and has been you know has been like secretly kind of a serial killer within arkham and uh Spoiler alert for the next game, but he be- because he's become so celebrated for managing the Arkham crisis, he becomes elected mayor of Gotham. Um, and so, so I'm I'm curious to what you think about the fact that you know that part of the story is basically hidden or optional content. I mean, you sn- you sniffed him out pretty quickly that there's something off with this guy, but you know he's he's kind of central to the story. So this is interesting. I actually don't mind this being in in like an easy to miss collectible format uh, for two reasons. One, I think anyone with a basic sense of the logic of the world of Gotham and also who has read enough of these sorts of like the like uh, very sensational pop culture imagine of what like asylums for criminally insane people are like that, like the sort of um the cliche of the like sadistic warden of the asylum is like such a such a tropey thing that I think a lot of people probably had similar intuition to me and probably would have been able to read between the lines a little bit enough that I bet they would go into learning that he is the mayor in the next one and be like, well, that's not great. So I think what that means is that, you know, most like basically sensitive like players of this game will probably have enough context that like they can they they really have all the core info they need going into the next game but if you really care about the lore and you're really deep diving into this then you have this like kind of crazy plot with like a ghost (laughs) possessing somebody um so i don't know i think this is like this is kind of fair because like you know there's you're not gonna be lost if you didn't do this i don't think um and that's not really what i'm hearing from you about about city so yeah i don't know i kind of think it's chill but yeah but yeah at the very least you know it's 
he does tie into the next one, and they they really had you know as they were making this one plans for the for city. Uh, there's a secret room in this game that was very hard to find, so hard that you know the developers had to tell people how to do it because nobody was finding it where there's like where you can see like plans in place for building the arkham city which is you know basically the asylum is expanded to a portion of gotham okay. that was kind of just enclosed yeah which which is interesting so i, I don't know i you know i know it, it sounds like you weren't so fond of this game and i'm wondering if yeah city might maybe city was, should have been the place we went though i'm, I'm glad we started at the, at the beginning um yeah you know, I th- I think so. This will sound weird, and I think this is about me having misaligned expectations for the game. But one of the things that I kept thinking about as I was playing is I kept I kept wanting this to be an immersive sim, like, and I think this oh. is because I kept because the vents. No, not because of the vents. No, because I I you're like walking. Okay, a lot of the spaces that you're walking through in this game are like offices of people who work at Arkham. Um, labs that have like people's papers and drawers and stuff laying around. There's lots of like posters on the wall. And in some cases, you can go over and see that the poster on the wall is for Oswald Cobblepots, blah, blah, blah. But most of the time, there's posters on the wall, which to my like half-life and immersive sim poison brain says... There's information, there's lore in them, their so, heels. This is, there was none of that in Half-Life. Are you there's, reimagining Half-Life as an, uh, there is nothing like that in Half-Life. There is nothing like that in Half-Life. I've, okay, yeah, you're right. That's a bad, that's, a, that's an incorrect comparison. But I think have I just you, like. Have you retconned Half-Life? No, 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 sim in no, your no, mind? no, no, no. I mean. That would be a good game. Like some of the, that would be a sick game. First of all, that would be an incredible game. I, I guess I meant more like. When in Half Life, a lot of time, if you bother to see decoration on the wall, there's usually something to see there. There's that environmental stuff. But I mean, that's all in this game, I would say. Uh, there's a lot of posters that are nothing in this game. I think I just like. Oh my! I don't. I completely disagree. I I've this might be the most I've ever disagreed with. Oh you. my god! So I I think I'm brain poisoned from like seeing lots of desks with papers sitting on them and like being like there, why can't I, I i would like to like what other game though can you actually do that in like what other like, character action game can you rifle through the papers well not that on the desk not that every not that you can like rifle through everything that's there in most in like most immersive sims you can't like sometimes you can hack into a computer and read some emails mm-hmm. but There's... mostly you're just getting audio logs I just want to know where this is coming Have from because you... I think you're like inventing a game that doesn't <laughs> exist, but that sounds pretty sweet. Um, I think Dishonored is the game that I'm like partially thinking of here, um, where there's there's a lot to read in Dishonored. If you are into, I mean, there's so much papers. <laughs> there's so much lore in this space that maybe you have to be attached to the Batman, you know, world to to not necessarily appreciate but to, you know to actually care about yeah maybe but i mean just the the saturation of how like different characters um you know so densely populate this space even though they're not even though they're absent i think really lends itself to you know giving this place character and, and kind of giving everything you see meaning i mean yeah i don't know this is i i yeah i i don't i see where you're coming from but i don't that's definitely not the experience that i had um I mean, and, I, I, yeah, I, love, I just don't know what would be gained by reading 
that's the thing. I don't know that like there ephemera. would be either. But there, it just like there was. This was a persistent urge that I had to like dig more deeply into stuff that was around. That yeah, I yeah, you learn about Humphrey Dumpfers well, <laughs> or whatever his name is. Well, so okay, so this is this is the thing. Is like I loved things like finding Two Faces cell. Like it's in a room that you can mm-hmm. walk by and miss. You get a Riddler pop up that is like looking. F- you know, you know, you're going to be looking for Two Faces thing. But like, it could have been missable. You find like the cell where Croc was being held, and it's like spooky. So yeah, all that stuff is missable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, and all that stuff is cool. I just like, I don't know why it like kept tickling the part of my brain that like wants to like collect information in a different way in this world. So I don't know. I I think like between that and getting so exhausted I could cry of fighting the same dudes <laughs> over and over again, like just allergic to those those brawling fist fights after a certain point. Um I think there's like there's a lot that I really enjoyed and also I left this feeling like I I don't know that I would like super strongly recommend this game to anyone who doesn't basically like Batman. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. This is one of the top five most influential games of the last decade. Ever. Well, I mean, well, so, so this, was this is the thing. This is Grand Theft Auto, one of the most influential <laughs> games of the last okay, but, ever. But this is this is the thing, and we've we've talked about this a a bunch yeah. of times, and and I I opened the episode with this that like. I think part of actually the barrier I'm having is that so much of this formula got picked up and elaborated on and reapplied and, and remixed that like I think a lot of its innovations and its strengths are just invisible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, no, and I, I definitely, I definitely get that, and I do actually recommend that you try out the Spider-Man games because it's a character you actually like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's no, there's no immersive sim elements. <laughs> But there is a lot of good world building like and environmental storytelling. But you're not clicking on a thing and having a weirdly... I don't know why I, I have wanted an email to email written so much. How nobody ever would write an email. <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to read their papers so badly, I but mean, I truly I guess, did. I guess, that's inter- I guess that's interesting in and of itself that you were like invested enough in the world that you wanted to learn more about it, even at this kind of, you know, at that level of minutia. Yeah, especially every that, time I found like... Um, the warden's office or like when mm-hmm. I'm like mm-hmm. in the private quarters of like somebody with some. So so if the warden had scrawled his history instead of in those audio diaries, if he had like written pieces. No, of paper that, that wouldn't be better. Would you have preferred? That? No, no. I just I guess take it as a compliment that I was interested in the ephemera. I like wanted I want to see like what he's been recording in his own. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> This is how games have trained me. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, that's Arkham Asylum. Michelle, do you have any final thoughts? I do. Um, so <laughs> They're not having anything to do with the Warden's Journal. It does not. Uh, okay. Shout out to some like kind of cool title and menu styling in this. I really like there's there's a very different, like very um, uh, graphic novel-y sort of aesthetic of all of that that almost for me is like an antecedent to like what persona five does with some of its menus. Like it has that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I see that. That like flair and personality and that like stark black and white stuff, really great character icons for the, the sort of, I called it your like stamp book of characters. (laughs) Batman has this little frowny face. It's very good. (laughs) It's excellent. It's very, very good. Um, I loved all that stuff. 
Nice. Anything else? Yes. Uh, Joker's going to win this year's award for most teeth. <laughs> have you looked not at just, have you looked at that character art oh, closely? So not so so not just his like wind up. No, teeth, no. I mean in his, in his mouth. mouth. He has <laughs> the most freakish amount of teeth I've ever seen in a character design that is like supposed to be a human being, at least in theory. It is so unhinged. It's very good. It works for him, but I just was like, that is a mouth, dude. And I, yeah, that's, those are my final thoughts. Um, That's going to do it for us this episode. Um, As always, if you've enjoyed uh, this episode, please feel free to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening is good. Um, You can find more information about the show at neverwasagamer.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at neverwasagamer. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time for our Halloween grab bag episode. So, you know, at first we were thinking of playing some spooky games based on movies, but we decided to do something much more terrifying. Watch spooky movies based on games. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll see you next time after we've watched some movies based on scary games because learning that there's nothing that truly encapsulates survival horror, quite like sitting through an Uwe Boll movie, is an essential part of being a gamer.